Well, have you guys ever heard of blue light glasses? Blue light glasses. Who has a pair of blue light glasses? Okay, they're pretty popular. If you don't know what these are, so blue light glasses are this new product that's become very popular in the last few years. And it's because researchers have found that blue light, the light that comes off of all sorts of screens and devices, can cause a lot of damage. And we tend to use a whole lot of screens. In fact, the average American looks at screens for seven hours a day. Seven hours a day. Think about that. That's a lot of hours. And that includes phones, looking at computers, looking at TVs, tablets. You fill it in. We look at a lot of screens every day. And so we want to protect our eyes. And so they came out with this product called blue light glasses. And they say that blue light is especially bad when you are right about to go to bed. So if you're looking at a screen and you try to go to sleep, your brain's like super stimulated and it's hard to fall asleep. And so they made these to where you can look at a screen wearing these glasses and be able to go to bed better be able to sleep through the night better, be able to think better and not have all these sorts of eye problems. Now, maybe you've had a pair, maybe you know somebody that's had a pair of these glasses. I know a few friends of mine that have used them. My husband has actually used them. And do they really work? I don't really know. I mean, how much, how effective is it really? It seems like it could be effective. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. I'm not totally sure. But one problem that I have noticed has been arising more and more as days go by. And you can ask any girl that you know, especially teenage girls, and they will tend to tell you that they struggle or at some point have had a problem with some form of anxiety, of worry, or depression. And this is becoming more and more of a problem nowadays. Anxiety is a huge issue in our society. And the sad thing is that nobody seems to know the answer to how to fix it. How do we not be anxious? How do we not worry? Nobody's really come up with a good answer, a good solution that's lasted. And we'd be silly to think that Anxiety is a new problem. This has been going on for decades, for centuries. We've had the issue of anxiety. We've had the sin struggle of anxiety. But we want to look at what God's word says and how we can overcome anxiety. In fact, the Bible has the solution to this problem of anxiety. And so we want to look at that and see what the Bible says to do in order to solve our anxiety problem, in order to overcome anxiety. And that's by looking at our text tonight in Philippians chapter 4. We're going to be looking at verses 6 and 7. So go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Philippians 4, looking at verses 6 and 7. And if you don't know who wrote this book, it's Paul the Apostle who wrote the book of Philippians. And he's writing this letter to the Christians in the city called Philippi. And where he's at is actually really a big part of this book and why it's so amazing is that Paul is writing from prison in Rome. And if you guys don't know much about Rome, Rome was known as a pretty brutal place to live in. The Romans were known for their violence and their brutality, and it was pretty scary to be a Christian 
in the city of Rome, in the providence of Rome, because you didn't know what was going to happen to you. There were soldiers walking around town all the time, and were they going to arrest you for believing the Bible? Maybe. Were they going to persecute you for what you believe in? Maybe. It was a constant fear. These Philippians were constantly in fear because they knew that it was a scary situation they were in. And Paul knows this. And so he writes this letter to help them to see the solution to anxiety, how to overcome anxiety. And that's where we get to our text in Philippians 4, verses 6 through 7. So follow along with me. He says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And verse 7, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And so as we said before, Paul knew that the Philippians were tempted to be anxious. He knew that this was a struggle for them. And it was a really real fear that they were faced with. But how were they going to overcome it? Well, first of all, he tells them they just need to stop it. They just need to stop being anxious. Don't be anxious is what he tells them to do. But how? Things were crazy in town. Things were so scary. Their circumstances were not the best. So how were they going to overcome this? Well, he has one solution in this verse. And if you didn't catch it, it's prayer. He tells them that they need to pray about everything. And not only to just pray, but he wants them to have a certain posture when they are coming before God. And that's when he says that we need to pray with thanksgiving with thanksgiving. So whenever we pray, whenever we come before God, we want to make sure that our hearts and our minds are rooted in a heart of gratitude, that we remember who we're talking to, who we're praying to, and that we can have peace from because of the God that we can talk to. And when we pray, we want to make sure that our um, prayers that we're, we're telling God what these anxieties are, right? That we're coming to God and saying what it is we're anxious about. Being straightforward with the Lord, being totally honest about what you are anxious for. And as you pray, as you bring these anxieties to God, you want those to turn into thankful prayers so that no longer do you have to be anxious. No longer do you have to hold on to these burdens of anxiety, but instead you can cast them to the Lord and have peace. And that's the promise in verse 7. In verse 7, he says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, I know this is a familiar text. I know some of you have even memorized this verse. You know this verse. Maybe you've, you've read it before. But I want us to just stop and think for a minute. This is an amazing promise from God that he's saying we don't have to be anxious. This is becoming an increasingly big problem in our society. But the Bible right here is saying Christians don't have to be anxious. You don't have to be worried and stressed and constantly freaked out because we can trust in God, because we can believe in what God's word says. And so tonight, if you want to overcome anxiety, you need to turn your anxieties into thankful prayers to God, making sure that we turn those anxieties into prayers, that we're not just anxious and thinking whatever we want to think, but that we're praying about that and giving it over to the Lord. 
And this starts with listening to Paul's first command in this text, and that's do not be anxious. And so for point number one, write it down this way. Don't worry about anything. Don't worry about anything. That's a big statement, right? Not worrying about anything. But let's stop for a minute. What does it even mean to worry? What does it mean to be anxious? Because some people say, I'm anxious, I'm worried, but they mean different things. So let's define it with what the Bible says. So worry or anxiety, one way that you can write it down is to be sinfully consumed by something. To be sinfully consumed by something is to be anxious or to worry. It's the idea that something is taking over, that it's dominating your thoughts, that it controls you. It's all that you can think about. You just can't get it out of your head. Some of you might know that I used to have pet chickens. I used to have pet chickens. Kind of weird. I wasn't raised on a farm. I was actually raised in Mission Viejo, but my parents decided when I was a kid to get pet chickens. And so we had four chickens. My, my chicken was amazing. I loved her. Her name was Dixie. I named her myself. And uh, these chickens, they were a lot of fun. They were a lot of fun to have in our backyard. They were just pets. So we didn't eat them or anything like that, <laughs> but we had lots of their eggs. They were delicious. Um, but they were a lot of fun. But one thing that you may know or may not know about chickens is that they're super nervous creatures. They're really, really nervous creatures. And it was kind of hysterical because if I didn't perfectly go in the backyard a certain way, then they would freak out and think that I'm a predator. And so if I was going into the backyard and they lived in the backyard, they were not in the house where they should be, (laughs) to be clear. (laughs) And as I was walking into the backyard, if I opened the sliding glass door way too fast, they would screech and jump and fly away. They would just totally lose their minds. I'm like, come come on chickens. Like (laughs) I do this every day. Um, If I like stood up too fast while I was in the backyard, then same thing. They would screech and jump and fly away. And oftentimes if I like put a jacket on or some sort of like cloth and moved it in the backyard, same thing. They would think it's some sort of predator. They would think it's after them and they would freak out and jump and fly away these chickens just had no chill. They were just constantly freaked out, thought something was out to get them, and constantly lived in fear. Um, and, it, and it makes sense why we use the term, don't be a chicken, right? Because obviously chickens are, you know, <laughs> a little bit nervous. <laughs> and, um, and so, yeah, they're obviously very, very nervous. And hopefully, you're not a person that thinks that everything is out to get you, that every person is out to get you, trying to harm you, trying to hurt you, constantly living in this fear like these chickens do. But I'm sure that there are ways that you allow anxiety to consume you, to consume your thoughts, to dominate your thoughts, to take over, to control you, to let those feelings uh, control you. And it may not be as ridiculous as some of these chicken spheres, you know, like with the jacket or the sliding glass door or standing up too fast, but it could show up in other ways. Maybe it's that when you take a test at school and you're waiting for your grade back, you just can't stop thinking about if you passed or not. You're just constantly worried, did I make the test? Did I pass the class? Am I going to fail? What are my parents going to say? And you just spiral in your thoughts. Maybe that's one way that anxiety pops up is when it comes to grades um, or taking tests in school. 
Maybe it's that your friend didn't message you back right away, and so you think, what if they don't like me anymore? What if they don't want to be friends with me anymore? Maybe there's some problem. Maybe I said something, oh, I should have never texted them, and you just spiral in your thoughts and think of what could possibly go wrong, the worst possible thing. Maybe it's that you are staying up late at night, worried constantly in fear, not sure if the guy that you like likes you back anymore. Maybe he stopped liking me. Maybe he doesn't think I'm pretty after all. And so you just worry, 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 and spiral in your thoughts. Maybe it's thinking of your future, thinking of the future and what you want to do or where you want to go to school. And if it doesn't perfectly work out, you just freak out and start to spiral and think, what if, what if, what if? And surely we can allow things to consume us. And when we allow any fears to consume us, we're being anxious. That's the point. That is anxiety. It's allowing these things to control you and consume you. And so now that we've identified what anxiety is, what does it mean to not worry? What does it mean to not be anxious? Because if we know what it is, we want to surely not do it if that's what the text is telling us. And so what does this mean? Does this mean that when you get close to a car accident, you're not supposed to gasp? You're not allowed to go, that's being anxious, that's wrong, that's sinful. Okay, no, that's not what we're saying. <laughs> Let's say maybe it's that, you know, your mom steps on the brake really hard because the car in front of you is really close and you tell your heart, stop beating so fast. You're not supposed to beat that fast. That's not what we're talking about. But it's what do we do with the feelings of anxiety? So when you feel anxious, what do you do with those feelings? What happens next? Okay, your heart starts racing. You start freaking out. You start overthinking. You start to spiral. Then what? Then what do you do? Where do you go when you feel that temptation to be anxious? What kind of words are coming out of your mouth when you're anxious? Are you saying things that you shouldn't say? Are you complaining or blaming God or blaming the situation rather than doing what's right, doing what's honoring to God? Are you trying to distract yourself, trying to get busy with something else so that you can just calm down and not have to worry about it, not have to fret about anything? What do you do? Do you start to spiral? Do you start to think all sorts of irrational thoughts that what if this happens and what if this leads to that and I'm going to die and X, Y, and Z? Where does your mind go? We want to make sure that we're careful, that we don't allow those feelings to dominate our thoughts, that we don't allow our thoughts to just spiral. To not be anxious, we got to respond rightly when we're tempted. When we're tempted to feel worried or fretful, whatever it is, fill in the blank. We got to make sure that we respond rightly. And some people hear this, some people look at this text and they think, well, what's really wrong with being anxious? Like, what's the problem? A lot of people are anxious, right? We read the stats. We know the stats. They're, they're rising. They're getting bigger and bigger. So what's the real problem with anxiety? Well, for one thing, the Bible is super clear that anxiety is sin. Anxiety is sin because it's rooted in a lack of trust in God. The whole root problem with anxiety is that we're saying, I'm going to trust in myself. I'm not going to trust in God. And so when we're anxious, we're not trusting God. Instead, we're trusting in ourselves. And there's a text that talks about this super, super clear that I want us to look at it in our Bibles. And that's Matthew 6, 25 through 33. Matthew 6, 25 through 33. Go ahead and turn there in your Bibles and we'll read it together. 
This is Jesus speaking on the Sermon on the Mount. And he talks about how we're not to be anxious. It's the same command. Do not be anxious is what the header says in our Bibles. And so if we want to know how to do this, we got to look at God's word. And so let's start in Matthew chapter 6, verses 25, and I'll read all the way to 33. Jesus says, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? So think about that for a second. Let's just stop there. They're talking, Jesus is talking about the birds of the air. They get fed. There's a whole lot of birds in the world. Apparently, it's estimated that there's 50 to 450 billion birds in the world. Think about that. That's a lot of birds. We can barely remember to feed our pets. Imagine it being your responsibility to feed all the birds in all of the world. Like, you couldn't do it. You couldn't do it because... We can't. It's an impossible task. But God's word is saying, look at these birds. They still get fed. And yet you're worrying that I'm not going to feed you. I'm not going to take care of you. That's ridiculous is what he's trying to say. God is the owner. He's the controller. He's the provider of everything. And he's going to take care of his people is what this passage is saying. We can continue to read in verse 27, Matthew 6, 27. It says, and which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? Think about that for a moment. If you worry, if you're being anxious, is it going to change when you die? Is it going to change anything for your life expectancy? No, it's not going to because God already has it in the book. When you began your first breath to when you're going to die, God knows that and you can't change that is what this passage is trying to say. So instead of worrying, just trust God. God knows the end of your days. And then he continues in verse 28. He says, and why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Think about that. Solomon, you guys know King Solomon, right? He was the richest guy in literally all of history. He had all the nicest clothes, all the nicest stuff. And Jesus is saying, even him with all his nice stuff, his nice clothes, his nice riches, the flowers are still way more beautiful than Solomon. Think about that. The lilies of the field. Maybe some of you guys have been to the flower fields in Carlsbad. It's gorgeous. Just seeing nature, seeing its beautiful creation, we step back and go, wow, that is amazing. And, and look, at, look at the example here. Why are we going to be anxious when God is the one that perfectly provides for those lilies of the field? What are they doing to look beautiful? They're not doing anything. God is the one that's sustaining them. God is the one that's making the sun come out, making the rain fall, and it just looks gorgeous. They don't have to worry, and neither should we, is what Jesus is saying. And then he finishes in verse 31, going all the way to 33, or 34 rather. He says, therefore, after all of this, because of all of this, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat? 
Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles, they seek after all these things. And yet your heavenly father knows that you need them all. But on the other hand, he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. He says, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And so instead of worrying, instead of being fearful, being anxious, we need to trust God, ladies. We need to look to God who is the, sta- the sustainer, the provider, the controller of everything and say, I'm going to trust in him instead. Now, recently, I just learned that someone who is very near and dear to me is very distrusting of me, and that's my daughter, Eden. (laughs) Some of you guys might know my daughter, Eden. She's almost 11 months old, my little baby, and um, from the get-go, we've taken care of her, right? She's been with me almost every single day. She's had a couple sleepovers with friends, so I can't say every day. But um, almost every single day, we've fed her, we've changed her, we've bathed her, we've made her laugh and had a lot of fun with her. But no matter how many times I've changed her diaper, which is like hundreds and hundreds of times at this point, no matter how many times I've fed her, she still cries. Every single time, she's hungry, she's tired, she's pooped, she cries. It's like, it doesn't matter how many times I've done it, just her automatic response is to cry. And I'm like, every time that she cries, I think to myself, Eden, I'm going to feed you. Like, I'm your mom. I've been taking care of you from the start. So why do you keep crying? It makes me sad when you cry. Like, I'm, I'm obviously going to take care of you because I love you, right? She's my daughter, but she doesn't trust me. <laughs> one day, hopefully one day, she'll, she'll get it. And I'm sure that you guys are not crying every single time that you're hungry (laughs) or every single time that you're tired or you have to go to the bathroom, you cry. Hope you don't do that. (laughs) But I'm sure there's ways that we are anxious, that we don't trust God. Instead of trusting God, we choose to be anxious. As many of us know these verses in the Bible, we know what the Bible says, but yet we still depend on ourselves. We still say, yes, I know God's in control. Yes, I know God is good, but I'm going to be anxious, but I'm going to worry. And we can't do that. We actually have to believe what the Bible says and allow that to transform the way that we live, the way that we think. So important. And so how are we going to do this? How can we stop being being anxious. Well, Paul tells us in verse six. So go ahead and look back at your passage in Philippians four at verse six. He says something really specific. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And so if we want to overcome anxiety, then we need to point number two, start praying about everything. Start praying about everything. And Paul uses three specific words to describe what it means to talk to God. He says it's prayer, supplication, and requests. Those are three different words that he uses in this passage. And these three specific words are supposed to describe what it means to talk to God. There's different ways that we can approach God and talk to him in prayer. And the first one is prayer. It's the actual word prayer. And what that means is 
a form of an intercessory prayer is what we would call it. Intercessory prayer. That's praying on behalf of somebody else. So when you pray on behalf of somebody else, let's think, for example, that you have a friend who isn't a believer at school and you want them to become a Christian. You want them to know God. And so you pray on their behalf that they would get saved, that they would hear the gospel and respond to it rightly. That's an intercessory prayer. That's praying on behalf of somebody else. Another type of prayer in this passage is supplication. And supplication means urgent needs, urgent requests that, uh, to meet a need. Sorry, rather. <laughs> let's, let's say that again. <laughs> urgent requests to meet a need. That's what supplication is. So let's think, for example, that you just got a call and you found out that your mom is in the hospital and she's super sick. And so you go to God in prayer and you ask him, God, would you please protect my mom? Would you please take care of my mom? Give the doctors wisdom. Give them what they need to take care of my mom. It's an urgent thing. It's something that came up that you want to pray for. That's a another way that we can pray to God. And lastly, he uses this word request. And request is to ask God for specific things. So you're coming to God asking for specific things. So let's say that you're having a friend issue, that there's some drama in your friend group, um, and you aren't sure how to deal with this drama. So you pray, you talk to God, and you ask, God, would you please give me wisdom on how to deal with this issue? Would you please give me the right words to say? I don't know what to do, but I pray that you would please guide me. That's asking for specific thing from God. That's, that's what these requests would look like. And the bottom line is that if anything is burdening us, if anything is making us anxious, we need to pray about it. We need to bring it to the Lord and leave it there. Now, I want to ask you guys, who takes out the trash in this room? Is anybody's chore to take out the trash in the room? When is trash day for you guys? When does the garbage, guys, Thursday, Wednesday, Wednesday. Okay. Friday. Ooh, interesting. End of the week. I haven't heard that. <laughs> For us, it's, it's Thursday. Thursday is the day. That reminds me, I need to take out the trash tonight. <laughs> I will do that. Um, Thursday is the trash day. And I want you guys to imagine that it's trash day. So you got to get the trash out, right? And so you're gathering all of the trash bags throughout the house, in the bathroom, in the kitchen, in your bedroom, wherever. And you're getting it all ready to go to be taken out to the trash by the trash man who comes by every Thursday, Wednesday, whatever morning that is. But you decide that you don't want to put it in the garbage bin. You don't want to put it in the trash bin. Instead, you're just going to put it on the side of the trash bin and watch the trash guy pass by. So you do that. You sit on the curb and you have the trash bags right next to you and the bin is empty. Even so, I don't know why it shouldn't be empty. And the trash man comes by. It's his time. He comes around his usual time and um, he asks you, why are you leaving the trash out? Why don't you just put it into the bin? And you go and you tell him, well, you know, I've been thinking trash guy. Let's call him Joe. <laughs> I feel like Joe's a good name. Well, Joe, I've been thinking and I decided that I actually like my trash, and I'd like to see how much trash I can collect in the next week. So I'm just going to hold on to it. I'm going to see how much more I can hang on to, um, and then I'll get back to you next Thursday or next Friday whenever he comes by. Well, how's that going to go with your trash guy? He's going to be like, okay, crazy lady. Like, <laughs> why don't you just put it in the bin? Like, he has the machine. He has all the resources. He takes out the trash. He's that's literally his job. That's what he does. But instead, you're saying, I want to hold on to it. I'd rather take the burden on myself. I'd rather smell the trash for another week. That's what I want to do. 
Now, that sounds ridiculous, but we do the same thing to God, ladies. God is offering us this peace, this peace from God, like this passage says. And we say, but I want to hold on to my trash a little longer. I want to hold on to these burdens a little bit longer. I want to see how much I can collect rather than casting it on to the Lord like he tells us to. And in 1 Peter 5, verses 6 through 7, 1 Peter 5, 6 through 7, he says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Now, the reality is that we don't have to hold on to burdens or anxieties if we're in Christ. God is offering us peace. He's offering to take that burden off of us. And so we have to cast it onto him. We have to be willing to pray about it and to leave it to God and not hold on to it any longer. And another, another amazing truth from this passage is that we can go to God at any time. There's not a specific time window that God is available or he's unavailable. We can talk to God at any time. And so even if it's three in the morning, even if it's six in the morning, even if it's 12 at noon, it doesn't matter what time of the day, we can talk to God. We can pray and ask him to take away these anxieties, to take away these burdens. We can come to him at any time. Just a few passages that talk about this in Hebrews 4, 16, Hebrews 4, 16. It says, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Whatever time that is, we can come to God. We can come before the throne of grace and he's going to listen. He's going to listen to our prayers. It's amazing. In Psalm 66, 16 through 19, Psalm 66, 16 through 19, the author says, Come and hear all you who fear God, and I will tell you what he has done for my soul. I cried to him with my mouth, and high praise was on my tongue. If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would have not listened. If I held on to my sin, is what the psalmist is saying, then God's not going to listen to me. He's saying, have your sin, do what you want with it. You're not giving it up to me. That's on you. But instead, the psalmist says in verse 19, he gives the sin over to God. And he says, but truly God has listened. He has attended to the voice of my prayer. Instead of holding on to the sin, instead of holding on to this anxiety, he casts it to God and God listens and he answers that prayer. It's amazing. And another passage for you to write down in Luke 11, verses 9 through 13. Luke 11, verses 9 through 13. He says, I tell you, ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who receives and the one who seeks finds. Oh, sorry. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will give him of a fish Instead, a serpent. Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. Why would a father give him an, a scorpion instead of an egg? Obviously, he wouldn't. He's his father. He loves his son. And then in verse 13, he says, If you then, who are evil, us sinful people, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So scripture promises that God listens to the prayers of his people. And that's something we can find rest in. We can find peace in. 
And so how are we going to fight this anxiety? How are we going to get rid of this worry and fret? Well, we got to be prayer warriors. We got to make sure that anytime we're anxious, anytime we're burdened by something, that God is the first person we go to with our prayers, that we talk to God first. He's the first one that we talk to. So when you wake up in the morning, you pray. Prayer is the first thing that you do in the morning. It's the first person that you talk to. It's God. Or when you're nervous about a big test that's coming up, you pray, you talk to God about it. He's the first one that you talk to. Or when someone at school said something behind your back that really hurts you, you pray, you don't lash out, you don't worry about it. You say, God, I'm giving this over to you. I trust you. We got to take more opportunities to go to the Lord in prayer and to cast it onto him. And lastly, there is a promise that's in our passage, a really, really important promise that I want us to remember. And that's found in verse seven, in verse seven of our passage, which I actually need to find. (laughs) Give me just one second as the car goes off. (laughs) We can all hear it, I know. Okay, so in verse seven, it says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's an amazing promise. And so if we want to overcome anxiety, we need a point number three, trust God to keep his promise of peace. Trust God to keep his promise of peace. This peace isn't just any ordinary peace. It's not, you know, peace, brother, or peace, sister. I don't know if anybody even says that. Probably not. (laughs) But um, that's not what this peace is. This is a specific type of peace, and that's what the passage tells us. He describes it in three ways. First of all, he says that this peace is from God. This peace is from God. This is the peace that God possesses. It's part of his nature. It's part of who he is. And so when God is telling you that he's giving you his peace, he literally means he's giving you his peace. That's amazing. Another thing is that this peace is indescribable. We can't even explain what this peace is. It doesn't even make sense. How is it that we can go from one moment being super, super anxious to another moment having total peace, having total rest in God? Well, it's really a miracle. It's really because it's from God. That's the only way that we can have this peace. This peace is powerful and it transforms us. And then lastly, this piece is guarding. This piece is guarding is what the passage says. It says that it will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. And so it's meant to do something. It's not just meant to make us feel at rest or to make our heart stop beating so fast. But this piece is meant to guard us against anxiety so that we don't fear, so that we don't worry next time that we're tempted. And I want you guys to think about deodorant for a minute. Deodorant, can we just stop and say that deodorant, it is a glorious thing. I am so thankful for deodorant. And I sure hope that you wear deodorant. (laughs) Maybe that's a sermon for another time. If not, sermon application, get deodorant. (laughs) Make sure that you have a stick of deodorant um, because it's super, super helpful. Um, And what's the point of deodorant? Why do we wear deodorant? Why do we put this weird stuff on our armpits? Well, it's because, frankly, our bodies don't smell great. They do not smell good naturally on their own. We've got to brush our teeth and wear deodorant and take showers and baths and all that kind of stuff, right? Because our bodies are just a wreck. They smell really, really bad. But um, what's funny is that uh, in 19, or sorry, 1888, when the first deodorant ever came out, 1888, it's not even that long ago. People were smelling bad for a long time. <laughs> Can I just say that? Um, 
When it came out, you would think everybody was going to love it, right? Everybody was all over this deodorant, like, give me a stick of that. It smells so good. Actually, ladies thought it was really offensive. They thought deodorant was super offensive. They were thinking, like, well, what are you trying to say? Like, do I, do I smell bad? Thanks a lot, right? I don't need to wear weird chemicals underneath my armpit. Like, come on. I've done this forever. <laughs> but obviously, the stats show that deodorant is very important. In fact, it's a multi-billion dollar industry. And the stats aren't going down. People aren't like, uh, yeah, I'm done with deodorant. No, they want to smell good. They want to be presentable, right? Some, you know, obviously, we don't want to smell bad. We don't want to smell gross. But some people look at their anxiety. They look at their worries. They look at these problems that they fret about, and they say, yeah, I'm good with smelling bad. Yeah, I actually would rather hold on to this. I'd rather smell bad. I'd rather smell stinky. And that's what our anxieties are like if we're going to put this together with the illustration. <laughs> that we think they smell good. That we think that they're no big deal. That they're not affecting other people, but they sure are. We need to guard against our anxieties. We need to guard against these smells, these odors, so to speak. And how do we do that? We do that with God's peace. God's peace is the thing that will guard us against anxiety, will guard us against those bad things that we want to keep away from. And what's going to happen? What's going to happen to that person who has this peace, who has this peace from God? Well, it's going to transform the way that they live. It's going to transform who they are. No longer do you have to live in anxiety. A person who has peace from God is anxiety-free, that when they look at death, when they look at the potential of dying, they don't sit there and worry and fret and are anxious and spiral. Instead, they, they trust, they know where they're going when they die. They know because they've been saved. They've been redeemed by Christ. They don't worry about the future. They don't worry about where they're going to go to school and what's going to happen and if they're going to get married or if they're going to have kids because they say, God holds the future. I know who holds the future. And so I don't have to worry. They aren't paralyzed by fear. They aren't paralyzed and unable to make any decisions or to get anything done because they trust in God, because he gives them that peace. And all throughout the Bible, we see how this peace transforms people. In Isaiah 26, verses 3 through 4, Isaiah 26, 3 through 4, it says, You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever. For the Lord your God is an everlasting rock. And in Psalm 119, 164, Psalm 119, 164, it says, Seven times a day I praise you for your righteous rules. Great peace have those who love your law. Nothing can make them stumble. Think about that. People who have this peace, have this peace from God, nothing is going to make them fall. Nothing's going to make them stumble because they trust in the everlasting rock. And so how are we going to have this peace instead of anxiety? Well, we got to pray. That's the main application from tonight. If you get anything from this message, it's you need to pray more. You need to talk to God about these things. Make sure he's the first one you go to. Another thing is to not let your feelings lead you. Not let your feelings control you. If you feel anxious, if you feel worried, you got to go to God with that. You got to cast those burdens onto the Lord. Because if you're a Christian in this room, you literally have nothing to fear. If the worst possible thing happened to you, which would be death, which would be dying, you would still be able to have peace. 
because you've been redeemed. You've been forgiven of your sins. You know where, where you're going when you die. That gives you so much peace. And if you aren't a Christian in the room, if you haven't trusted in Christ, if you haven't repented of your sins, then there really is everything to fear. Think about that. There really is a reason why you are anxious, why you are fearful, why you are terrified of death. And that's because you haven't gotten right with God yet. You haven't had your sins forgiven. And so I urge you tonight, if you are a non-Christian, if you are someone that hasn't um, had your sins forgiven, let tonight be the night that you make it right. You don't have to live in anxiety. You don't have to allow fear to control you. You can trust in Christ to forgive you fully of your sins and qualify you for heaven. And so it's my prayer that you guys would find this peace tonight, find this peace from God, and that we would apply these things together. And so we have some small group questions on the back of your worksheet. So I'm going to go ahead and pray, and you guys will be dismissed for your groups. Let's pray. Dear God, I just thank you so much for this passage. Thank you that your word is so clear, and we have these promises that we can hold on to. God, thank you that as Christians, we don't have to fear anything, that you give us this peace from God that surpasses all understanding, Lord. I just thank you so much for that. I pray right now for those who aren't, aren't saved in the room, who aren't right with you, God, that they would recognize the reason behind their anxiety, the reason why they are so anxious, and that they would make it right with you tonight, God. I just pray that as a result of this message, Lord, you would please help us to pray more, that anytime we're tempted to be anxious, anytime we're tempted to worry, you would be the first one that we run to, the first one that we talk to about these things, God. And so we just thank you so much that you listen to our prayers, that you um, give us your word to guide us, Lord. And I just pray that it would transform the way that we live and think this week. Pray all these things in your son's name. Amen. You guys are dismissed to your groups.